BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Wrestling Omakase. It is episode number 233. And this week, I am very pleased to be joined by a returning guest. Hello, Liam. Hi, Hi John. How are you doing? Uh, I've been better, as we just talked about off the air. <laughs> uh, because sports, everybody. Let, listen, let me tell the mm. people at home. Yep. Okay. If you are not a sports fan, don't ever get started with sports, okay? <laughs> Try something less damaging to your mental and physical health, like heavy, heavy drugs, for instance. Okay. Yep. Uh, maybe get get a gambling addiction, which I have that too. So I'm really in bad. Uh, maybe get maybe get some get into alcoholism. I don't know. What about uh, anime? Anime, uh, well, anime is fine. I don't, okay, I mean, that's, okay. That's the only thing that brings joy to my life, honestly. <laughs> is, is at this point, is watching watching anime. Yeah, uh, I'm in the middle of watching Utena, and it's okay. it's uh, it is great. I don't mm-hmm. know if you've ever seen Utena, but no, I haven't. No, it's a, it's really... a fan... go ahead. I, I was just saying, it's a fantastic show, and it's completely. It's like it's sort of like. If Evangelion was a year, like a, oh, I said Yuri, if Evangelion, uh, God was a shoujo, not a Yuri. Mm-hmm. It is sort of Yuri, but uh, also, you know, if Evangelion was a shoujo, that'd be Utena, basically. Yeah, I've only just started watching High School Girl on your recommendation from last year, and I am qu- getting quite into it. So I what, feel like sorry, I'm watching about to go- what I'm sorry. Uh, High School Girl. Oh yeah, yeah, it's really good. Yeah, yeah. 
I feel yeah. like um this this dark world of anime is about to consume me whole, and I'm kind of yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, sports fucking bullshit. So let me let me just explain to people why I'm so mm-hmm. upset today. So the Toronto Blue Jays, okay, they are this amazing team that has one big flaw, which is their bullpen fucking sucks and really really sucked in like the spring and got a little better, but their bullpen's been bad. But they have this amazing like once in a lifetime lineup that they're never going to be able to keep together. They're going to lose. For sure, they're going to lose mm-hmm. the Marcus Simeon uh, in the offseason, I think. And they, you know, they, they have a plus 183 run differential, which, like, that is an insane number that they should e- they should be the fucking division winners for that kind of number. And instead, they lose a bunch of games down the stretch that they had to win. They, I mean, last week when they, they had a four-game trip to Minnesota mm-hmm. and lost two to the Twins, and the Twins, are, the Twins are dog shit. So that was when I was like, okay, this isn't going well. And then they had to win two out of three against the Yankees, at least, uh, at home earlier this week, and they lost two out of three. I was mm-hmm. like, okay, so this isn't going well. But then this final three-game set starts, okay? They're right. one, and today today's the last day of the MLB season. They're one game behind the Yankees and the Red Sox for the wild card. So they needed to beat Baltimore, or they needed the Yankees to lose to Tampa, or Boston to lose to Washington. Not and. They needed one of those two right. teams to lose, okay? Yeah, yep. When the day started, I was like, you know, I don't think it's going to happen because it's like the Rays were starting some awful pitcher who had like a seven ERA because the Rays, the, the team the Yankees were playing, the Rays did not need to win at all. So I was like, mm-hmm. okay, well, they're not, you know, they already beat the Yankees twice. That was already a break, but I can't see them beating the Yankees again today. And then, and Boston's playing Washington, who traded their entire fucking team away. Uh, so, you know, at the trade deadline, because they're, they're just, they're just nothing now. They're a fucking minor league team with one, with one superstar who everybody walks. Cause it's the only guy you have to worry about now. Right. And so I was like, okay, Boston will be able to do it. So at the start of today, I was, you know, I was not hopeful. I was accepting that the Blue Jays were going to get eliminated. So I put these three games on, I'm watching three games at once. The Blue Jays completely destroy the Orioles. That's not unexpected. I was like, okay, that's. They had to yep. win that game to even have a chance. It's great. They were up like 12 to 2 and like before the fifth inning or something. So I barely paid attention to that one. And then the Nationals get out to a 5 to 1 lead against yeah. the Boston Red Sox. And that pitcher for the Rays, who fucking sucks, somehow gives up zero runs to the Yankees. The Yankees only had one hit through, I think, like eight innings. But the problem oh, was okay. Tampa, Tampa couldn't score either. So it was 0 0 going in the ninth inning. And then. <laughs> right. The Red Sox come back and tie and uh and, and win that game against Washington seven to five, mm-hmm. and at the same time the Yankees uh went, beat the Rays in the bottom of the ninth one nothing. So I had zero hope at the start of the day. My hope went all the way to the top in the middle of the okay. day. It's like oh they might actually pull this off, and then it, it was just it was just to pull the fucking rug out from under me. So the baseball gods just fucking. Fucked with me today, where it's like I wish they just had, like I wish they just let the Baltimore Orioles score ten runs in the Blue Jays or something, so I right. didn't even have to worry about nothing. The Jays lost, whatever, it's over. Instead, they let me think all the way until the end that the Blue Jays had a chance. We were going yep. to a tiebreaker tomorrow, and then it's like, oh yeah, actually, uh, the Nationals are going to remember them, the Nationals, and shit the bed, and the Yankees mm-hmm. are going to win a fucking walk off in the bottom of the ninth. It's okay. Fuck you. Fuck sports. <laughs> Fuck baseball. I don't know why. Like, again, cocaine would be better for you than right, right, right. getting into fucking baseball. I'm, I'm so, and now I'm getting ready to be an absolute clown with the hockey season started. The other, mm-hmm. the other, mm-hmm. 
the other sport that I watch, you know, yep. pretty closely. So hockey season starts next week. I'm sure the Rangers and Kings, my two teams, will both be fucking awful. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm sure I'm getting myself set up for more sadness, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. I hate sports. I don't know why the fuck I watch them. One of the so, worst life decisions. So I have a question and an observation. So I've never okay. watched a game of baseball in my life because we don't have, we don't have, you know, we, we watch cricket down here. We don't watch baseball. Yeah. It's, you know, basically the same in terms of like, um, you know, lots of, um, well, actually I have two questions. So the first question I had is like, what is a run differential? Uh, so that means basically like the, the, they scored more runs than they gave up. Okay. So it's like, okay. So it's like. You've scored like, twelve yeah. runs over the course over the course yeah, yeah. like over the course of the season they scored one hundred and sixty eight more runs than okay. they gave up. Gotcha. I believe okay. that was the number. I'm making I'm getting that off the top of my head. It's some yeah, yeah. absurd number where like they should not even like they should have had a wild card spot easily at minimum. It should mm-hmm. never have been like a fucking tie like this tiebreaker bullshit that they couldn't get. The- I mean they missed the playoffs by one game. Right. So okay. like literally as close as you can come without making it. Got but, it. So so you were watching like all of these games at the same time. Yeah, I had so I had Yankees, Tampa on my TV. Right. I had Red Sox Nationals on my laptop, and then I had Blue Jays Orioles on on my girlfriend's iPad because that was the one that was <laughs> least important. To, that was the one that was honestly, even though the Jays are my team, that was the least important one to me because it's like, yeah, I mean, if they can't Hold beat the division. Orioles today, they mm-hmm. don't deserve to be in anyway. And then they and they took yep. out like a fucking. I mean, they they basically went out to like a nine one lead in like the second inning or something. Right. So right. They, that was never really in doubt. But, so, you, so you're not like sitting there watching every game intently, every single inning, every single like. You know, no, strike. I mean I'm not so really like, looking at. I barely looked at the iPad. It was really the TV and the laptop. I was going back and forth between. Mm-hmm. But, okay. uh, but yeah, and I'm just like muting one. I'm muting the other, just going back and forth. But yeah, it's just any. All we needed was if, if Tampa beat the Yankees, it would have been a, a Yankees Blue Jays tiebreaker. Mm-hmm. If Nationals had beaten the Red Sox, it would have been a Jays Red Sox tiebreaker. If both had lost, it would have been a wacky. Uh, three-way tiebreaker, which right. has never happened before. Yep. But uh, none of that happened because okay. they just made it look like all that was going to happen to give me yeah. personally the maximum amount of pain. So so, so you go in with no hope. You, yeah. you watch a few games through the season. Your hope goes up and up and up. And you feel like, okay, the Blue Jays are going to you know, get to No, the- no, no. I go in today with no hope. You go in today. You go in today and, sorry, I'm compressing it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I go gotcha. in today with no hope. Yeah. Like through six innings or something, they give me hope. Right. And then they, it was just to fucking, to fuck with me. To, to pull the rug out at the end. This is all one day. All these emotions. And you're expecting to have the same for hockey. Uh, so, the, well, the hockey season, I'm sure, will be awful. Yeah. Well, just, okay. I mean, the Rangers were projected to be like third in the in the Metro in the, the athletics yep. projections that came out today, which I'm sure is way too high. I'm sure, mm-hmm. going to be like seventh or something. So, so like, I feel like I can see an analog here between this baseball season, this hockey season, and then, like, every Naito G1 season. <laughs> Where you go in with no hope, you watch like five or six matches, and he's go- he's going five one, and you're like, yes, he's going to win. This is final of the year, and then he gets knocked out in the last round again. As yeah, well. I mean, I guess so, I like painful because it's guess like I, pain. yeah, I always I never really go for the super front runners. I don't know, mm. like I'm never. It, it kind of makes sense for rest. Like okay, my I should by all rights be a Yankee fan. I grew up yep mostly you know in the in the metro area. I mean, I grew up a lot in New Jersey. And New Jersey, New Jersey doesn't have a baseball team. It's like really hardcore Yankee territory, uh, mm-hmm. unless you get to South Jersey when they love the, the Philadelphia Phillies. Yep. Um, so, but my dad was a Yankee fan. All my like all my family's a Yankee fan. My girlfriend's a Yankee fan. I just you know I'm a contrarian, so I was like, well, I'm gonna pick. I like the color blue, mm-hmm. and you know I like uh, I like the Blue Jays. So there. 
I mean, the only team, the only local sports team that I picked uh, as like my one of my teams, and even though they're my second favorite hockey team, but still, as one of my teams is the New York Rangers, who are the who are the ones who went fifty four years between championships. Yeah, so, like set the record, which is going to be broken soon anyway. Mm-hmm. But like set the record for longest Stanley Cup drought from nineteen forty to nineteen ninety four, and have not won it again since. So. Again, I like. I guess I like pain. I can't really you like say. Pain. Okay, yeah, I can't really say much else. But yeah, the uh, the, the Blue Jays, <laughs> the Blue Jays, fuck with me. Uh, but they, they were just such a fun team too. Like it really was a fun season. They had yeah. like all these home run hitters. Like I don't know. Like they were just a bunch of happy people. I can't really describe it. You know, just mm-hmm. like to someone, especially someone who doesn't know baseball at all. But just like a really, they had this home run jacket. This I love this right. jacket. Like they had this jacket that all of them would put on and it had every country they were all from, you know, like the Dominican Republic and obviously mm. the USA and Canada and all these other countries like listed on the back in their East yeah. native language. It was like really cute. And like okay. they were just a very likable team. And like yeah. they would put this jacket on every time someone hit a home run. But I don't know. It was really just a very likable team and it really fucking sucks that they got eliminated today. But. It's like there's a club. It's like it's like it's like a club that brings everyone in and like like really builds a sense of community around everyone who plays and everyone who like you know yeah. watches their games. And they're just and, you know. they're a really likable team, but okay, they're gonna lose like they're gonna lose one of their best hitters and two and, and their two best pitchers in the offseason probably. So just because of trades and finances, and uh, money well, because they're yeah, because they're expiring. They're I mean they're they're free agents, so yeah, yeah they, gotcha. can sign, they can sign wherever they want. And they're, they're mm-hmm. pro- yeah, probably you know. Jays will get outbid by the Yankees or whoever the fuck. So. Yeah, yeah. Because money always wins any sorts of, you know, sports yeah. league. And, you know, yeah. Chelsea always wins every fucking <laughs> Premier League. And I, No, they don't. City well, wins every Premier sh- League. Well, well, Chelsea should win every Premier League with, like, how much money they throw around at players. But... No, no, no. City spends more money. Well, uh, do they spend more money? Yeah. Okay, it's okay. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll pay that. I'll pay Chelsea that. is my one, I guess, front-runner team. Yeah. But... But like when I, I again to, it, to be fair to me, when <laughs> yeah. I was getting into Premier League soccer, yeah, the every single person I knew was a Manchester United fan. Like this was That's the fair. peak. This was the peak of United dominating soccer. And they were the only team anyone I knew yeah. was a fan of. So I was like, okay, again, I like the color blue. Uh, I want to cheer for a team that has a chance to win, but yep. it's not the absolute front runner. So I'm going to go Chelsea, and yeah. then Chelsea after that you know, kind of turned into even more of a superpower. But we're still not the superpower. I mean, we have... No. You have City. You got City, so, you got Arsenal. Yeah, yeah. Arsenal, no, I mean, Arsenal fucking well, sucks. Well, <laughs> they, 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 all my Premier League knowledge is from, like, 2003 to 2006. When Arsenal were, you know, when, you know, when Arsenal were a power and everyone was in demand you, so... There was a... Oh, God, there was a meme. Do you remember when the Super League was going to happen? Briefly, yeah. for, like, the, yeah, for, like, a week or whatever? So, there was, like, a Simpsons meme comparing the... the the start of the Super League to the start of the, uh, you know, to the start of uh, the, the Stone Cutters, I guess, and Homer Simpson's getting <laughs> yep, yep. put in the Stone Cutters. And yep. like Arsenal is Homer Simpson. They're telling Arsenal, like, you know, uh, you have to say, May we end up with nothing but one star player and da 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 da. <laughs> and, and then everybody else, the other team's like, Arsenal's just have to take a different pledge. And it's like, everybody <laughs> takes the same pledge. Because, yes, they just have, they have nothing. I mean, they're. Yeah. You know, they're very much a uh, not not a good team. But I hate Arsenal because Chelsea Arsenal has a big rivalry. But like, yeah, just yeah, yeah. I, we were. It's funny. I was just talking about this with uh with my friends who are, again are mostly Manchester United fans. 
uh, last night when we were yeah we were when we were out like a it was one of their it was his birthday so we were like out celebrating his birthday and you know we were talking about Arsenal fans on our timelines because like and again I'm I'm, I'm sure there might be an Arsenal fan listening that that mm-hmm. I'm offending but Arsenal fans are so fucking annoying about it and it's like <laughs> they never shut the fuck up about how hard they have it and yep. I'm just like I get it. But if you signed up for this in like the last five years, which I think most of them did, honestly, then you should have known what the fuck you were signing up for. You were mm-hmm. not j- jumping on a juggernaut here. You're, you fucking signed up to cheer for Arsenal. I don't know what to tell yeah. you. It's like I can complain so much about the Blue Jays, but like at the end of the day, I know the score at the Blue Jays. I know that we're lucky to even be at this point in baseball, the way baseball works. And it's like, you know, you're the Blue Jays of of soccer. You don't get to like they complain wow. endless. You they complain endlessly about yeah. how about the like all oh, the the money other teams spend, how they never spend mm-hmm. any money on this and that. I'm like, you should mm-hmm. know what you signed up for. You're Arsenal. Like, come on. Yeah, it just feels absurd after a while. It's like, like yes, you're. Like, I get it. You're sad sack. I'm, I I I don't feel like you. I can only feel yep. so bad for you. Yeah. But anyway. We won the cha- like, Chelsea won the Champions League last year. I shouldn't, I you know, that was my one good sports thing. I guess for the, <laughs> for, the, for, the for the fucking decade. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like my dad. He's been a lifelong Arsenal fan for like forty plus years, and so like I've seen <laughs> I've seen I've seen him go up from like okay, you know, like back when I was young, and like Arsenal weren't doing shit like through the two thousands, and like you know his morale would get higher and higher, and he'd spend yeah you because know, the games, the Premier League games, are on here at like three or four in the morning so he'd be getting yeah. up at like the middle of the night to go and watch those games and like you'd go to you know old trafford and you know all the the field you, you, yeah he did like a month in the uk and went to all the games and went to all the bunch of games and then over the past five or six years i've seen him like slowly descend into absolute abject despair <laughs> as as like arsenal just keeps making you know arsenal wenger you know makes more and more horrible decisions they keep losing key players and they keep losing key games he retired now i think yeah yeah he, yeah. he got you know retired question mark yeah yeah based on some of the results so it's been a you know as someone who like i support leicester but like very very casually so um oh, yeah they're the the hipster pick so they're the hipster pick yeah yeah and... yeah guilty as charged so yeah but seeing yeah, them being able to, yeah seeing oh, the... sorry go ahead i was just gonna say seeing arsenal descend into you know irrelevance has been a um a point of joy for me over the past few years <laughs> I mean, it is fun. It, it, yeah. Arsenal, maybe I, I maybe calling them the Blue Jays of, I mean, the, okay. I Like what you're describing sounds like my dad with the Yankees where he complains mm-hmm. endlessly about the Yankees. And I just want to be like, like cause today he said something like, oh, I don't know why I'm a Yankee fan. Ah, oh, this fucking team. I'm just like, dad, you have seen the fucking Yankees win like 15 championships. Yeah. I don't ever want to hear you complain. Okay. <laughs> The Blue Jays won two titles when I was like six years old. I mm-hmm. don't even remember it, and I wasn't even a fan yet. So I don't want to yeah. hear you talk about how oh, how hard you have it as a Yankee fan. They act like – I mean, that's what, it, what your dad sounds like. But really, I mean, the Yankees of, uh, of Premier League are obviously united. Yeah, yeah. It's the same thing where they're now, they're now, you know, just not any good anymore. But like – I don't know, like he, like he, it's, but what you describe your dad sounds like my dad. And it's just like, mm-hmm. I don't want to hear you're complaining. Like you yeah. guys won everything. Like, I don't like, oh, you haven't, you haven't won since 2009. Oh, there are 12 year olds who never saw the New York <laughs> Yankees win a championship. Ha, I, my fucking heart breaks for you. And it's just, it, it's just such stupid bullshit. 
But like, give me if you you guys need to like, like for my dad, it's over. Like he he mm. can never like every time he complains, I'm always gonna make fun of him because yeah. he saw too many championships. If you're a Yankees fan who got in like 2005 or something, you've got like 50 more years before I can ever even come close <laughs> to feeling bad for you. If you go 50 more years without a championship, maybe I can feel a little bad. But you still saw them win in 2009, so I don't mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. want to hear nothing. The same thing like with the, you know, the LA Kings are my favorite hockey team. We yeah. won two championships in 2012 and 2014. So I will never complain about the Kings again. I mean, that's, yeah. that's it. They, it's the same thing with Naito. They bring it back to I was wrestling. just going to bring, I was just going to say that. Yeah. I was literally I saw, waiting for the moment. to. <laughs> I saw Naito win the double dome. So yeah. I'm never going to complain about his book. It's just, it's over. They won the yeah. big one. Yeah. You can't, when, once you win the big one, even to me, even once. Like, yeah. you lose your rights to complain for at least 20 years. Like, that's it. <laughs> okay? I can complain so, about the Blue Jays until I see them win it. I cannot complain about the Kings. I sure as fuck can't complain about Chelsea. I've seen them win two <laughs> Champions Leagues uh, with, uh, you know, mid-season manager replacements. Which is like, I don't know how the fuck that happened. Uh, you know, I can complain about the Rangers, I guess. But, you know, no one wants to hear someone complain about their second favorite team anyway. No, But, exactly. like, but the Blue Jays, I can, you know, I can complain about them. But I cannot complain. And I can't complain about Naito. That's it. Like, it's over. So, so. you can't complain about Naito, but I can still complain about Jay White. That's what I'm hearing? Yeah, for sure. Uh, okay. Well, you're going to yeah. really complain when he goes to WWE in January. Oh, fucking. So. Uh, <laughs> don't get me started. <laughs> S- seeing Big Jamie go to the Fash would really fucking upset me. Yeah, or I mean, even even to even even to AEW, I you know because I don't uh, watch American wrestling, so like he could do the best shit in the world in AEW, but because I, I don't watch it, like, sorry. Yeah, AEW's been fun, but I mean, sure. I keep waiting for this run to be over because like, yeah, it feels like it. It, it kind of feels like the thing that I don't know. Like every time I get, I do get into AEW, and I, I do think they've been really good lately. <laughs> I they end up doing something where like mm. the shoe drops and it's not fun for me anymore. I don't know what that's going to be, but like, like last time, you know, leading up to, you know, in the early part of this year, it was the revolution paper, which I thought was absolutely Mm -hmm. fucking dog shit. And it just completely soured me on the company. And I stopped watching for months after that. And, you know, so far this, this is the, this is the longest I have ever continuously enjoyed AEW. If you go back to like when they first, no, I don't even think it's that long. I think it's like like, uh, four months. Okay. I think they moved. They move. It's when when they first moved back to Wednesday night when they w- had to go to uh, Saturdays and they had those terrible shows uh, during the mm. NBA preemption. I think that was July. It might have been June. I don't know. Yeah. Somewhere. Uh, yeah. So like Somewhere four or five, four or five months. And mm-hmm. I, you know, I ha- you know, I went to Grand Slam and enjoyed it. Uh, I got tickets to the show in December, but like. You know, it's it. They're always a company I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop with, and they still, mm-hmm. even when I really enjoy them, they still book like the most dog shit finishes in wrestling. Like yeah. they right up there with WWE for like the worst fucking finishes, and that's always their Achilles heel for me. Where I'm just like, I don't like you guys. Just book like sometimes you guys book like absolute dog shit, but mm. but anyway. But I mean, the, the actual shows are you know enjoyable, and they have enough good wrestlers now and all that. But uh, you know. I, it's not American wrestling will never be my favorite format of wrestling either, obviously. So, you know, yeah, and it's, it's just, like it's, it's always it's always going to have a disadvantage. Yeah, it's on during the middle of the day for me, so I can't really watch it while I'm working. And you know, with all the you know Japanese wrestling's happening in you know an hour or two hours away from my local time, it's just like okay, if I have X amount of hours in a week to watch really good AEW or watch 
kind of bad all Japan shows, I guess I'm going to watch the kind of bad all Japan shows. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all Japan's yeah. been good lately. Yeah, I, I mean, know. good. Yeah, I'm wait, but like that, I have the same thing. You're, you know, you're describing with AEW with all Japan. I'm waiting for like <laughs> something to happen where the suffering begins again, and somehow we get another year long Suwama reign, and <laughs> I, yeah. I suffer. Yeah. I guess we finally transitioned to wrestling, so that's good. So, uh, yeah. before I get to the first of these two shows, we're going to talk about. Uh, I just need to let everybody know, of course, that the Wrestling Omakase Patreon is only five dollars a month. Uh, and right now it is obviously the best value you can get uh, in the wrestling Patreon world because I am doing daily audio of the Grade 1 Climax uh, and the N1 Victory that just concluded. So basically there's like a show going up every fucking day, pretty much. So, uh, you know, obviously you get a lot for your five bucks. I do in-depth reviews of every single match, uh, you know, even the special singles matches on the A-Block side, the Nitro replacement ones. And, you know, we get into a lot of different, you know, uh, you know, like what makes the match good, what makes the match bad, what makes booking bad. I really tore the fuck into night eight, you know, the yesterday's mm. show. Uh, that was like simultaneously my least favorite episode recorded in a long time. But also when I listened back to it, I did like it. So I don't always listen back to my stuff, but I wanted to like hear what that sounded like because it was such a miserable show to talk about. But I thought I did a good job ripping into it. I don't know. Mm -hmm. So I will uh, plug that one, specifically the Night 8 review. But yeah, every single night that's not covered on a free episode of the show obviously is covered on the Patreon, either on a standalone tournament audio or, of course, we only do every other week for free. The other week is a Patreon-exclusive full episode, so it would have been covered on one of those, perhaps. Uh, We also covered the All Japan Core again on last week's episode, too. So not just G1 and M1, we got that covered too. Uh, and you can listen to everything, every single other thing we ever recorded. If you've never signed up for it before, uh, that includes the Tokyo Domain events. I went through the entire 1990s for that. Um, and we'll resume that closer to the end of the year, of course. But, uh, you know, we're through every single 1990s Tokyo Dome. Uh, the Naito Tanahashi matches, Okada Tanahashi matches, Naito Ishii matches, all of those are covered in chronological order. Uh, you know, tons of other stuff on there, full length episodes. Again, every other week when there's no free episode, there's a full length episode exclusive to the Patreon. So just tons and tons and tons of audio on there. Uh, and again, all of it is only $5 per month. And it's the start of a month right now. It's October 3rd as I'm recording this. So obviously you get your full value for the month. Uh, plus, you know, you, like I said, you can always go back and listen to anything from the past as well. So it's a patreon.com slash wrestling uh, I hope you'll consider signing up and checking out the great audio that we have on there for you. All right. It's it's great. I can confirm it. Oh, yeah. You are a subscriber. Yeah. So there it, you go. Yeah. Liam, Liam likes it. Liam gives it the thumbs up. Which might not be, yeah. <laughs> Depending on how much weight you put in that. Yeah. Uh, well, Liam, what you're what, a Leicester yeah. fan, right? That's that's your soccer team. So I yeah. guess that's... Uh, it's it's good for hipsters. That's what you're saying. <laughs> it's the hipster pick of Patreon. I mean, look, I am not going to sit here and say we are the most successful Patreon out there, but Jesus Christ, the Voice of Wrestling Slack was listing off some of the other Patreons mm. out there, mm. and I never feel more successful with mine uh, than when they start listing off some of the other ones. I'm like, hmm, somehow uh, hovering between 50 and like 65, depending on the week. Uh, depending on the month, doesn't seem so bad when these people are yeah. doing like eight. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like uh, like some big names too. Yeah, but like six so, patrons. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah, know. There was, really... there, there was one name I know who used to run a company that was fairly successful in the 2000s, <laughs> early 2010s, and I think they have like what twelve Patreon patrons. Something like about that. Kraken Bus. Oh, I couldn't confirm or deny that. Okay, I think. <laughs> Does he have like that many? I thought it was like I six think it's or something. I th- it's something ridiculously small for like yeah. his role in the wrestling ecosystem. Yeah, and there's like a bunch of other ones. Like there's like other there's a whole sites that have like three. Mm. Actually, I'm not gonna name names and like no, and no. like uh, make fun of anybody directly. But yeah, I don't know. I never, you know. I mean, uh, you know, my Patreon is a, it's a nice little side hobby, and it, it you know it has. A lot more than a lot of other people, I have to say that. So, And the best you know. part about it is you don't have to subject yourself to Raw or SmackDown reviews. <laughs> that, that is very true. Yeah. I do not have to watch. I mean, watching Night 8 of the G1 was pretty bad, but I can't yep. imagine it's even 1-100th of watching an episode of Monday Night Raw. So there you go. All right. So let us get into the first G1 show we're going to talk about here. Well, the first show we're going to talk about, which is a mm-hmm. G1 show. Uh, night 9 of the G1 from today, Sunday, October 3rd at the Aichi Professional Gymnasium in Nagoya. Uh, one thing that's hurt the shows lately is these crowds have been utter dog shit. Yeah. like, for the people who, again, I, I went on this rant during my Night 8 Patreon audio, but I might as well do it on the free feed, too, where more people will hear it. If you are one of these people who logs on to Twitter and says, clap crowds don't matter, I can't even hear a difference in clap crowds, how can anybody claim... They can tell who's over based on clap crowds. All these other trash takes I've seen the past year and a half. All I want you to do is watch the first two nights of the G1. Either Mm -hmm. one, night one or two in Osaka, and then watch either night eight or night nine. Preferably night eight, because this crowd was not good either, but they did get a little into some stuff. Night Mm -hmm. eight uh, from Hamamatsu, which was a dog shit crowd even before COVID. Hamamatsu did not need... COVID-19 protocols to be a horrible <laughs> crowd. They were they had lots of practice already. Yeah. Uh, so if I want you to watch night one or two and then watch night eight or nine back to back and then fucking tell me that clap crowds can't make a difference or mm-hmm. there's no such thing as a good clap crowd or all sort of bullshit. Because man, these fucking people go long stretches uh, where their hands don't work apparently and it sure as hell makes a fucking difference. So... It's also like, um, so you know that thing where some people watch shows on mute or on very low volume? And I think yeah. that's like kind of, you know, not to be rude about it, but I think it's like kind of psychopathic because I'm like, um, like all of the, you know, crowd noise and crowd reaction is so key to this form of entertainment. You know, having an, an audience that's engaged and showing their engagement is what wrestling is all about. And so you can actually, see, you know, it actually really impacts on my enjoyment of wrestling shows compared to like that night one, night two where they had, or even like the N1 final we're going to talk about later, um, you know, having a really engaged clap crowd that's making noise and, you know, engaged in what's happening actually really impacts for me on my enjoyment of like, you know, what's happening and like being able to really focus in on what's happening inside the ring. Yeah, so, no, I, I agree. Now, I will say I agree to an extent. When I watch a match like the last two matches we got here on night nine, mm-hmm. uh, like it really struck me watching Zach and Ishii where like the crowd was pretty fucking silent for most of that match. But, like, if a match is yep. that good, I can still enjoy it. Now, mm. obviously, a, a hot crowd of any kind, even a hot clap crowd, would have elevated even further, probably. Mm-hmm. But, like, if a, if the ring work is as good as, like, as Zach and Ishii were doing in that match, I, you know, it's still enjoyable for me. Like, that kind of match exa- mm. is, 
you know, it really sums up why for all the other issues with New Japan right now for not even just the clap crowds, but the horrible booking at times and, you know, some of the other bullshit that I will continue to watch it because at the end of the day, they still give me, you know, high quality ring work with about, I don't want to say more consistency than anybody else, but like certainly as much consistency as anybody for sure. Yep. Um, so when at the end of the day, that that is a big thing. But yeah, for, for sure that having a engaged clap crowd makes a huge difference compared to a non-engaged clap crowd. I think that's very yep. clear uh, as we hit these kind of mid-G1 doldrums here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this show opened up with Yoshinobu Kanemaru defeating Kosei Fujita in 734, the Boston Crab. Uh, this was, of course, your scheduled non-tournament match. Uh, very normal Young line stuff here. I thought a little more exciting, though, than yesterday's uh, Kanemaru Oiwa match, which mm. uh, was a lot of, a lot of Kanemaru working over his leg just wasn't very exciting at all. I went two and th- I went two and a half on that one. On this one, I thought it was a little better, so I went two and three quarters. Yeah, I think it was like very basic stuff. That like these young lines are still so new and so fresh out of the dojo that there's not really much you can do with them at this point. But you need to get them the reps. So, um, the, like the one thing I've noticed about both of these new lines is like they wrestle like heels and they look like heels. So like in, like I don't know if that's like a change in the training or a change in like how they're being perceived or like you know anything like that. But it just they feel. Like it's Uemura and Suji always felt like babyface leaning young lions, so these feel like heel le- leaning young lions, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, aside from sense. that, yeah, just like really basic, you know, stuff. Boston Crab finish, no big spots. Uh, match yeah. number two, the special singles <sighs> match to replace uh, the planned Naito and Yano match from this night. Uh, the Toriano defeats Bushi in seven fourteen. With a schoolboy. Uh, first of all, so y- y- Toriano's been bringing out this bag a lot lately, and mm-hmm. he used to like, cover Bushi's head. Bushi yep. brought out a Louis Vuitton bag yeah. to try to counter Yano's yep. bag. That was very funny. I laughed. That was pretty good. Like, if, you, yep. if you don't get the joke, Bushi loves fashion. That's pretty much the whole joke. And he brought that up. Like When he brought that out, it was like, well, that makes way too much sense. Yep. Uh, the They both get blinded. But then the referee just pulls the bags off both their heads. <laughs> it's just like, they, they, is that easy? Why, why can't they pull the bags off their own heads? Yeah, um, they're not like tying the bags around him. It's just like the bags are hanging loosely on their heads and neither of them are smart enough or have the thought to actually just pull the bags off. Yeah, Idiots. very bizarre. Yeah. Uh, we get the usual nonsense you expect here. Bushi ties Yano to the barricade using a towel. Yano yep. escapes, makes it back to the ring. Uh, Yano, in turn, ties Bushi's mask to the barricade but he stole a page from Great Okan's book and he pulled scissors out and cuts his way free. Now, some people hate the, that spot. I think it, like, they're like, oh, it doesn't make any sense that he would have scissors. I'm like, what does it make sense about that? If you were going to wrestle Toriano, a wrestler who mm-hmm. loves to tie things, uh, why the fuck wouldn't you bring scissors? Yeah. Like, I think that's perf- that's perfectly, uh, you know, logical. It's like, well, he thought ahead. I don't know. It really doesn't, that's, that spot does not bother me at all, honestly. It's uh, also like, like um, it also responds to that criticism of like people don't watch each other's, each other's matches. It's like yeah. that shows you people watch the matches, like you know, on yeah. the round matches and learn from them. Um, then uh, the ref gets blinded with one of these sacks, so he misses. Mm-hmm. He misses Bushi rolling up Yano for the win. So Yano then low blows Bushi while he's taking the sack off the ref's head, and schoolboys Bushi for the win. Um, this was like amusing enough. I don't know. It was it was definitely yeah. short, which yeah. I appreciated. Uh, I gave it the perfectly average two and a half. 
I definitely didn't hate it. So, you know, it wasn't wasn't painful like that Yano Kenta match. So Oh, I disagree with that. I think that, that Yano <laughs> Kenta match was pretty funny. But maybe I, that's just me. That one yeah, that one really pissed me off for some reason. I, like I, I feel like half the half the shit with Yano is like, what kind of mood are you in? And yep. at this yeah, point at this point in my day, the Blue Jays have not yet tore my heart out. So <laughs> I was still in a good mood. So there you mm. go. And uh, like Bushi kind of sucks. So putting Bushi in with huge, huge and Yano makes sense in terms of like having a matchup, you know, a yeah. makeup match. I so I always think Bushi sucks is too strong. I think he's fine. I think he kind of sucks. I don't think he sucks. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. I don't, I don't hate, I always think, feel like people are way too hard on him. Like, I don't think he's awful yeah. or anything. Just think he's like a, perfectly average wrestler i don't know maybe yeah. maybe slightly below average but yeah he's like what okay with bushi like first of all he's never pushed very hard and second of all like if you're gonna be like an average wrestler or whatever like if you could post like pictures in black and white your hands making this weird vagina-esque like uh <laughs> hand yeah. sign doing everything like he has a certain charm to him yeah. That a lot of other bad wrestlers don't have. So I, yeah. I enjoy Bushi. He's inoffensive. I could take some Bushi sometimes. Inoffensive is a great name. Great word. Yeah. yeah great word for it. Uh, match number three, the mm-hmm. our first tournament match of the night. Uh, Kenta defeats the great Okan in 1939 with a schoolboy. So Kenta goes up to four and two and Okan drops down to four and two. Uh, yep. I thought Kenta was like, ve- he Kenta was like very amused by Okan or yeah. like he was like trying hard not to laugh during Okan's yep. uh, entrance, and mm-hmm. then he like briefly mocked some of the entrance mannerisms like before the match. Like it was very brief, so you may have missed it. But like he no, was, I got that yeah, yeah. Well, I, I guess I meant the, the audience. Oh, anybody, anybody may have missed it. Yeah. I, I knew you saw it, Liam, because you had the eyes of a hawk. But people <laughs> at home, people at home, it was like very, very brief. But yeah, he was like kind of like doing a little shakes, and I, I was, I thought that was funny. Uh, so before the match, Kenta tells Okan he has to do like a very, very humiliating bow to him before if he loses. And Okan just kind of laughs this off. Uh, yeah. There was some fun mat work here. Okan especially, he, he looked like vicious on the mat, which is kind of hard to do at times. Like he looks like he's actually hurting his opponent instead of just you yeah. know putting him in random holds. Uh, he won't break his holds when Kenta's in the rope. And he does a, just does a great job looking like he's going to break somebody's arm or leg or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I really liked his like takedowns here. He's very smooth at mat transitions. Um, he got a head and arm choke at one point. Yep. But Kenta kept like pulling on his braid to try to escape. Uh, but then he finally did make the ropes. and then But Okan just kind of like beats on him before he actually lets go. Uh there's this really vicious exchange of slaps soon after the 15 minute call. <laughs> yep. They just slapped the piss out of each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Kenta finally puts him down to win that exchange. He goes for go to sleep. Okan escapes using his claw. He goes for the eliminator. Kenta hits a counter knee in midair. That looked cool. And yep. goes for go to sleep again. But Okan escapes again, gets the claw back on, and tries to lift Kenta back up for eliminator. But Kenta. Then bumps Okan to the ref on purpose. That yeah. <laughs> uh, Kenta hits Okan with some hard chair shots while the ref is down. He puts on Okan's hat. That was funny. Yep. And then he heads up top, double stomps the chair into Okan's midsection, breaking the chair in the process. Uh, the ref is somehow still down, so Kenta pulls a baseball bat out. But this time, when Kenta tries to swing the bat at Okan, Okan catches the bat in mid-blow. But the referee revives, sees Okan with the bat, and yep. despite the fact that I don't think Great Okan has cheated once in his entire 
uh, New Japan career so far. The ref sees the bat and is like, you definitely used that bat, huh? And the argument allows Kenta to schoolboy Okan from behind with the tights for the win. Mm-hmm. Um, this was like every Kenta match in this tournament so far for me, where I'm enjoying it a ton, and, and then the bullshit starts and it sucks. Uh, and I guess I just have to learn to accept this shit from Kenta at this point. But like it, it's okay. When Kenta first got to New Japan, I yeah. understood why they leaned so heavily in the bullshit because he looked like he didn't have his legs under him at all. Now he's having these really enjoyable matches, these really enjoyable straight wrestling matches with these opponents, and then just doing bullshit for no reason. He does not need the bullshit. Like it just com- feels completely unnecessary for him. I get he's a heel and he's in Bullet Club, but like other Bullet Club mm. members are are not doing anything in this tournament. I mean, you know, yes. Yujiro is barely cheating. Tonga Loa isn't really cheating at all. Tom and Tonga. I don't know. I just, I, I really wish he would just drop the bullshit because he's already turned into like a great uh, wrestler in New Japan. It doesn't need that bullshit at all. Um, I'll go three and a half on balance because everything leading up to the end was a lot of fun. But it easily could have been four stars without all that cliche bullshit at the end. I I hate the spot where the ref like sees the guy with the bat and argues with him. It's like, come on, you know who exact? It's Great Okan and Kenta. When has Great Okan ever used a baseball bat? Just I hate that fucking yeah, spot. Yeah, someone made a comparison for like modern twenty twenty one Kenta to Eddie Guerrero. I saw that mm. and it, like it, it, I kind of thought about it for a minute. I was like, no, that's not right. And then I thought about it for a minute. I was like, actually. You know, entertaining matches, and then the bullshit happens, and then you know he interferes, and like it's entertaining. It's enter. It's like it's the sort of thing where it's like it's not like the evil bullshit where it like takes the wind of a match. It's like funny, weird, sort of like comedy, um, you know, shenanigans. And so, like, I kind of thought about that. I was like, okay, if this is going to be what Kenta is now, he's not going to put on these four and a half star matches or anything like that. He's going to just like play into his character. Um, I guess I can kind of accept that. I kind of accept but, that but, leaning but, into this big. Yeah, but the problem I have with that with that comparison, I guess with that with that scenario though, is I I feel like he almost is putting on like really great in ring yeah. matches yeah. until the bullshit starts. I'm just like it doesn't feel like he even needs this anymore. But I don't know. Maybe it's, mm. it's just maybe it's just what he wants to do. I have no idea. Yeah, I I feel like he's like trying to play into like this really distinct character. Well, not distinct. I don't know, but like he's got like this idea for this character he wants to play of like okay, he can you know work a good match but then also have these shenanigans at the end to show that like he doesn't need these shenanigans but he just wants to put them in to like sort of i don't know uh give that sort of like to stay heel or something like that and yeah. I, I don't know if that's working because it's entertaining um i feel like um the other thing about okan that i was sort of thinking about so one he's only been wrestling for four years and he's already this good which is a little freaky He's really I, like I, I know so many people who insist he's horrible, and I just I I don't understand it. Like like Quinlan, Quinlan mm. will insist he's bad. And I'm just like you have Meltzer brain. I don't understand like why yeah. the why what it, what about Great O'Connor's bad? I just never understood it. Like well, he comes out, he does awesome holds. He looks like a very unique. I mean, he has this very unique character. He plays it to perfection. He looks like a mm-hmm. badass. Like I just I don't really get it. Like what is bad about this? It's one of the more I bizarre think, tapes out there at this point. I I think some of these matches are a little hit and miss. Like there are some cases where like you'll have an occasional match where it kind of doesn't it falls flat. But I'm actually sure. kind of I like I don't I don't mind that. Who, I think who actually, doesn't though? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. and I, I think like the character points, like um, you know, I think is like really really important. If someone said to you in 2018, "Oh, this great Okan guy, like Oka's going to come back from Revfro. He's going to come back with the same weird gimmick he's currently working in that's bombing." And it's going to be one of the best characters in the company. You'd go like, no, that's fucking stupid. 
you're yeah. on drugs. But it's like, no, actually, he has come back and he's made this weird, you know, off the wall character really, really engaging and makes me want to, like, even if the matches aren't like, you know, four and a half star work rates, you know, bonanzas, I want to watch everything he does. And I want to see how many, you know, I want to see how he faces everyone in that B block who he hasn't faced yet. He's fresh, he's new, he's engaging. So I love the Okan. Me too. And and he loves anime girls, so that's another another, <laughs> another, another favor. Uh, although we, although he and I really don't have the same taste in, in anime at all. Like he loves, mm-hmm. um, you know, like the he loves like the I don't know, like these Bushi Road, like I would, I'm sure does. they love like these yeah. Bushi Road like uh, idol girl shows, which has never been mm-hmm. my thing really. But yeah, he yeah. loves he loves those kind of shows, and it's not really my thing at all. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, but you know, God bless them. Everybody's got to love whatever they love, and he loves anime girls uh, doing idle things. So I'm not going to yuck his yum. Exactly. Uh, I don't know what that means. What is that? <laughs> is that like a say, saying down there? Yeah, yeah. It's it's like you don't uh, yuck someone else's yum. It's like you don't. Um... Oh, I get it. I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Once I thought about it for a second. Yeah. Uh, but yes, after the match, Kenta tries to get Okan to give him that humiliating bow. Yep. Okan starts doing it, but then just gives him the Eliminator instead. That was awesome. Just like, fuck you. Yep. He's like, I'm not bowing to your cheating ass. Mm-hmm. Uh, match Kenta number... has, Kenta oh, sorry, has the best faces. He has the oh, best yeah. fucking facial expressions. Yeah, he's oh, just like, so disgusted after. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> match number four... Uh, Tonga Loa defeating Yujiro Takahashi in twelve thirty six with the ape ship. Uh, Tonga goes to two and three, and Yujiro drops down to two and three. Um, so all four of the people here, Yujiro, Tonga, and their two seconds, uh, Peter and Jado, they did mm-hmm. the two sweep before the match. So I guess I, everyone was on the same page from the start at least. Uh, but Tonga and Yujiro both take turns like swerving on each other. Uh, another two sweep though, they just kick the other one in the gut instead. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, that was your early, I guess, you know, I got a turn. At least they didn't do the fucking lay down for me Ugh, bullshit <laughs> that we saw from Evil the night before. Yeah. Uh, Tangaloa at one point busts out a standing moonsault. That's like, look, you're, it, this sucks for Tangaloa because, like, you're in the same company as Jeff Cobb, yeah. a way bigger dude who can do a standing moonsault. So it's like this impressive move, uh, you know, in, in a vacuum, like, just kind of can't compare. So, mm-hmm. you know, it just sucks for Tonga. Uh, the match settles into being a bit boring during Tangaloa's heat period. Just not much happening there. And Yujiro's selling, I thought, was really not good at all here in this match. Like, at some point, Tanga has him in some kind of wacky rest hold. And mm. Yujiro, you know, the camera's pointed right at Yujiro's face. So Yujiro's looking straight in the camera. And he's making this face where he looks like... I, I, I honestly don't know what he was... Like, he's trying to act like he's in pain. But it looks mm-hmm. more like he's trying to act surprised. I don't know how to describe Like, he had this big, wide-open face, and it's like, it looked more like somebody... It honestly looked like somebody was told they're going to have a surprise party, and they're now showing <laughs> up at the... They're now showing up at their surprise party trying to act like they're surprised because they don't want everybody to feel bad that they already knew about the surprise party. I mean, that's what his face looked like. So, mm-hmm. somehow trying to act like he's in pain turned into a very unconvincing trying to act, uh, act like he's surprised. It's very bizarre. Uh, but Yujo's little comeback after the five minute mark, that was better. And that's definitely mm-hmm. where he excels at playing underdog. Uh, yeah. He does a nice tope of the floor too. That got some, you know, gasping out of the crowd, which, uh, you know, this crowd was not exactly making a ton of noise. So mm. uh, Peter, Peter, but like her dancing was just kind of funny. Like she looks 
the, she's like dancing with the clapping or something, but like, I don't know. It's not often you see a woman as attractive as her look like an absolute dork. And she kind of <laughs> looked like a huge dork the way she was shaking around. I'm like, you're supposed to be a dancer, aren't you? Like, you're, yeah. this was not very good dancing. Like, I don't know. Maybe they weren't giving her a good enough beat or something, but it was very weird. I guess uh, it's hard to dance in heels that high. I suppose. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Too. I don't, well, I, I, I mean, people do it apparently, but well, and, yeah. uh, you know, at certain establishments. Mm. Uh, Yujiro and Tonga, they go back and forth looking for their signature moves. Uh, mm-hmm. Yujiro eventually lands the Olympic Slam and Miami Shine for near falls. Uh, Tonga comes back, though, nails the apeshit out of nowhere, and that gives him his first real one in the tournament because remember his two points yes. uh, were the Naito uh, you know, forfeit match. But yeah, this was fine. Not anything more than that. I would go. I went three. Maybe that's a little generous. Even uh, it was boring early. Usual selling was goofy, but I thought it picked up enough down the stretch to call it a fine little match. I don't think it was bad, certainly. But like you know, both these guys have had better matches in this tournament so far already. So you know, what are you gonna do? I thought they had a good idea of like Yudro trying to counterplay Tungaloa and try to use his momentum against him a lot. I thought like that risk, like that wrist clutch back into the. Olympic Slam was kind of cool, but like, this is an okay match that the crowd did not give a single shit about. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, Tangaloa helped Yujo up afterward, even kind of helped him the back. So, mm-hmm. no signs of Bullet Club dissension there, at least. So, Bullet Club is fine. All the, all the evil and uh, God, who the fuck was he facing the night before? Chase Owens. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. Chase Owens. Oh yeah, that evil and Chase, yeah. all that stuff the night before. Yeah. You know. This was a much more amicable, amicable end, I guess, than uh, Evil and Chase the night before. Like where Chase gave him the two sweep, but looked so angry about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, up next, we have the first of two matches that kind of saved the show. I mean, eh, yes. maybe that's too strong. Eh, eh. The local card wasn't that bad, but Tomiho Ishii defeats Zack Saber Jr. in 1840 with the vertical drop Brainbuster. Uh, Ishii moves up to three and three, and Zack suffers his first loss of the tournament. He is now four and one. Disgusting. Uh, Zach gets the European clutch on Ishii, very nearly pins him with the European clutch in the first minute or two of the match. Uh, it was a very, very close near fall. Really cool ending to a fun little opening sequence. Uh, Ishii chops the hell of Zach in the corner, but Zach finally comes back with this nasty looking arm stretch using the ropes. Uh, Ishii starts working over Zach's leg a bit to try to counter Zach working over his arm, but then he ends up like collapsing the mat for hitting an elbow. Uh, Zach gets his swinging DT, swinging DT out of the corner. Ishii no-sells it, hits mm. this huge shoulder, shoulder block that just sends Zach flying. Zach pops right up from that, hits a PK, but Ishii no-sells that and hits a huge lariat to mm. finally end a very wild sequence. Uh, the match keeps up a high pace. You get several near falls off of flash pens, and Zach gets a great high-speed front suplex to counter... Ishii trying for the brain buster. Uh, and then as soon as Ishii hits the mat, he goes straight into looking for uh, first a Kimura and then a cross arm breaker. So that was cool. He then switches to a triangle. Ishii sells like he's going out, but he's finally able to recover and just starts stepping on Zach's face to get mm. him to break it. That was awesome. They've, they've done that before, I think, in the yep. previous matches, but it's a great spot. Um, Zach tries to immediately hit, hit the Zach driver as they stand back up, which again, I thought was a, a cool counter from his perspective where it's like, you know, He's, uh, you know, just the mo- the submission won- didn't work, so he goes right for his, uh, you know, his his high impact move. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Ishii, though, hits a huge headbutt to counter it. Zack no-sells that, hits a high kick to Ishii's arm. Ishii shrugs that off and hits another huge lariat uh, to put him down. At this point, this this was where the match really just fucking owned. We get another big lariat from Ishii. Zack kicks out at two, and Ishii then nails the Brain Buster, and that is, of course, the pin to give Zack his first loss of the tournament. Uh, mm-hmm. This is pretty much as awesome as you would expect. You know, I went four and a quarter here. Uh, if anything, it felt like it could have gone way longer. The match ended somewhat abruptly, and I, I would have been down for more of this match, which, you know, you don't always say that after a big New Japan match, honestly. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the both these guys, you know, Zach and Ishii, really helping to carry A block, not exactly mm-hmm. unexpected. Uh, and you could maybe argue Ishii going back to Lariat so much with all the arm work Zach did was like bad selling or psychology. But I thought Ishii did such a great job, you know, selling his own arm pain even yeah. after he hit every move, that I really didn't mind it at all. So, you know, I enjoyed... This match was awesome. I think these two are, like, the perfect opponents for each other in terms of, like, two yeah. two people who have, like, very distinct styles who are very different in terms of physical, you know, appearance and physical, like, structure and size who, like, um, you know, play off each other really well. You have, like, Ishii coming with the high-impact strikes, you know, and being able to withstand anything that Zack can throw at him and then Zack, like, basically whimper, like, you know falling to a single strike and you know having to fight back with the submissions and like that's a really it's a really interesting contrast like the only criticism i can have for this is like these two have faced off like a bunch of times before and you know because they are so distinct and they are so different from each other and we've seen this you know a number of times before like you know what you're getting coming into this that being said it fucking ruled it still was like an awesome awesome match so yeah. um yeah yeah highly recommended i've, I've got to give criticism to ishii for trying to you know screw the rightful g1 winner again by beating him but hey one year one year <laughs> um the this by the way evened up the the career series so it was oh, really two, yeah it was three two zach entering this match so it is now three three well they kind of talked about this like so zach had gotten all of his wins in the past in the g1 so if you look at it, Zach beat or or two of his three. So yeah. Zach beat him um, in the 2017 G1. He beat him in the 2018 G1, and he won their last meeting, which is where he won the Red Pro title back from him at Wrestle Kingdom 13, uh, January 4th, 2019. So this was their first meeting in almost you know like like almost three years. years. Yeah, right. uh, Ishii's two wins came in the uh, the U.S. title tournament, their first ever meeting in July yep. 2017. And then he beat him in New Orleans uh, during WrestleCon 2018 to win the Red Pro title. So this was Ishii's first ever win against Zack in a G1. And it was, you know, like I said, they evened up the career series uh, at three and three. Mm-hmm. The main event here uh, was Kota Ibushi defeating Shingo Takagi in 23-57 with the Kamigoe. Uh, Ibushi goes to four and two and Shingo drops to three and two. Uh, Shingo and Ibushi, they definitely start slow here. This was paced the way you could sort of tell they were going along. I believe this was easily Ibushi's longest match uh, since coming back from his, uh, you know, illness. So, you know, it was good to see him kind of work his way into a 24-minute match here and maybe get into that pace again. Because, you know, I think people are kind of wondering, like, okay, can he just not go long? Because he's doing a lot of, like, you know, the the match with Tanahashi at the Dome, I think, went 19 minutes and... 17.47. Oh, seven, oh, there you go. Even yeah. even shorter, I thought. Maybe it was like the G, his last big G1 main event went like 19 minutes. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah. Exactly I mean, yeah. yeah. So, you know, just like... It was good to see him go a little longer here. Abushi uh, at one point hits like this really nice snap Rana from a standing position. 
That sends Shingo all the way to the floor. So Koda can hit a really nice Asai moonsault. And he does it off the top rope instead of the, uh, you know, mm-hmm. instead of the second rope, like we usually say. Uh, of course, he lands right on his neck in the process. Not, not very surprising. Um, then we get a uh, very hard strike exchange with between Abushi's kicks and Shingo's chops. But Shingo puts a stop to that just before the 15-minute call with a nice dragon screw. And I love that he lifted that move because from Tanahashi, because first of all, it mm. kind of continues his, um, you know, his, uh, his whole like, you know, move thief character he has going in New Japan. But more importantly, he's the fucking dragon. So it makes a lot of sense that he has. Oh, yeah. The dragon right. screw. Yeah. 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 Uh, Ibushi hits a very nice short arm lariat at one point, but Shingo no sells it, hits his own lariat. Uh, Ibushi takes this huge flip bump, uh, just. And then, and like, but then, like, kind of still pops right back up, and then German suplexes Shingo, but Shingo no sells it, hits his big running elbow to the back of Abushi's head, as Abushi's sitting there, kind of like grinning like an idiot uh, mm. over what he just did or something. It was very weird, honestly. It was just kind of sitting there grinning, like, yeah, look what I just did. Um, but yeah, then uh, Shingo, like, it, then just like fucking murders this dude with his lariat from the left. Like the moment Ibushi avoided the pumping bomber. That was a really, really cool spot. Uh, he then hits Made in Japan for a close near fall. But Ibushi comes back uh, with the Bamaye. Hits his sit out last ride for a two count just before the 20 minute call. He tries for Kamigoe, but Shingo is too strong. He locks his arm together to, ke- to keep Ibushi from pulling him in. He headbutts him in the chest a couple of times. Hits this great counter punch right to the face. Uh, and then a huge headbutt. Then he, like, again, I don't know if this was meant to be a move thief thing. I, I kind of feel like it was. He hits his big knee to, like, a kneeling Abushi's head. Mm. And I, I don't know if I've ever seen him hit a knee attack at all before. So no. I guess you could argue, yeah. It's weird. It kind of adds to his move-stealing gimmick, which I, I really like. Mm-hmm. Um, he hits a huge pumping bomber. Abushi, of course, takes this enormous bump for it. Uh, that gets a two count. And then Shingo starts battering Abushi with the forearms from each side. But Ibushi answers with a huge palm strike. Hits this really cool high kick. Like He almost did like a handstand to hit the high kick. It looked really cool mm. as like a, a counter to the to charging Shingo. Uh, then he just grabs him and nails him with Kamigoe. He covers, but Shingo somehow kicks it too. And this, or kicks out too. And this Nagoya crowd that hadn't been great all night, as we went over already, just yeah. reacts really big for that. So that was cool. Uh, Koda tries for Kamigoe again. Uh, Shingo catches it though, pulls him straight up into Last of the Dragon. Abushi escapes with the reverse Rana. He hits a huge running knee to Shingo's face. Then the reverse Kamigoe to the back and the Kamigoe to the front. And that's the pen. Uh, awesome, awesome main event. It started a little bit slow, but you know, it was, I thought it was four and a quarter easy again. I kind of even thought about four and a half. They really turned it down, the, turned it on up down the stretch, adding some stuff that, that was kind of new for them. But, you know, the early portion is just a little too dull for me to go that high. Uh, so it was four and a quarter here. And, you know, I think it was behind at least one other four and a quarter match that's happened in the G1 already. Mm. Uh, but this is just your prototypical awesome New Japan main. Uh, again, this is the exact kind of match that explains why for all the other issues, both these matches, I already kind of went through this, but, like, why I, I still watch New Japan and stick with the promotion. Because, you know, matches like this are still worth it. And they still give you more of these than... You know, certainly more than AEW does. Uh, 
and I can't call like AEW obviously delivered with that Kenny Danielson match last week, but they you know you you have to go like every three months maybe for a match you know close to that good. Whereas you know you get you obviously get a lot more than in New Japan. Um, I can't call this anything other than a very good show thanks to these uh, two matches. Uh- and I liked O'Connor's Kenta too. I'm sorry, you can go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I was like, I was like, I've got some thoughts in this match. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can get. Well, you can go ahead. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have sorry. read that that part of it. I guess. Oh, good. Uh, <laughs> I I, I kind of hated this match, honestly. I oh, no. I am <laughs> I am like I am like okay. So Shingo first. I think Shingo is great. I um, you know, he's had a really great G1. He's been like you know really really you know, carrying this block a lot, and uh, like basically no complaints about him. Fucking Koto Ibushi. I You're like the number uh, one Ibushi hater, so Well, I just okay, okay. So I feel like he has peaked in this company. Um and he will never reach that height again. And like um like I don't know, like I think his G one has been kind of like I don't want to say crap, but it's like very below par and very below standard, I think. And I feel like he this illness he had has like really affected the pacing of his matches and sort of the level of like cardio he has and i think he's still kind of recovering from it well i, th- they, I they... find it interesting you said about this match because i thought this was like i would have agreed with everything you just said up until this match where i thought this was like this is the most classic code i thought we looked we got all tournament oh i felt like it just like dragged on and on and on like especially in the first 10 or so minutes and i got really distracted like i could hear him breathing and like i could like mm. like, it, like it really took me out of it because like shingo was working his chest doing like all the stomps on top of the chest and all that sort of stuff and I felt like, I don't know, like that was like a weird, not, not a weird decision. It makes sense considering in storyline, but it's like, I feel like he is still recovering and should not be doing matches. Like, I don't know if it's like, should not be doing matches of this, you know, style, but it's like, he's being sort of put in a spot to where he has to work to a certain standard, to a certain length. And I feel like he's still physically struggling with it. Um, yep. The other thing is like, the Kamigoi fucking stinks. I hate that movie. Oh, I do agree with you on that. It's a, it's a fucking yeah. it's a pretty shitty finisher. So in in the Yano match, um, uh, Ibushi hit Yano with an, a Kamigoi to the back of the head, and Yano no sold it. And I was like, <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck are we doing? What are we like? We're actually, you know, everyone has to take eight fucking Kamigoyas to lose a match. You know, you have to go through the first Kamigoi and they kick out, and then you you know put the knee pad down, and then you hit him in the back of the head. And it's like, uh like. I don't know what it is, and I might talk about this later with someone else, but it's like, it feels like a lot of the Ibushi matches feel like he has to get all of his shit in, especially recently. Mm. And it's like, okay, everyone has to go down to three fucking Kamigoyas, and I'm just, I'm so done with it. And this sort of like, it kind of like leans into the point of like emotional investment in a character and emotional investment of a crowd and sort of that impacting, you know, enjoyment of a match. Um, you know, I think other people, you know, as you say, I'm probably like the number one Kurobushi hater, you know, in this particular sphere of, you know, wrestling Twitter or whatever. But it's like, I am so not invested in this character anymore. I think it, and so like, and that really hurts my enjoyment of this match and of like his G1 as a whole. I feel like he's kind of really, just kind of over it. <laughs> and if he wins this block, I might quit. I might actually be done for a while because, <laughs> you know, he needs like some sort of complication or some sort of, um, you know, challenge to go and face. He really shouldn't be coming back from an illness that bad and beating Shingo in a competitive match yet. I don't think. Yeah, all well, that's fair. I don't know. I just didn't. I mean, I agree that the opening part was slow, but I just thought it was slow in the typical New Japan long match kind of way, mm. which I don't know. It doesn't bother me really. 
Um, but you know, I mean, if the match had a flaw, that was obviously it. Yeah. But yeah, the rest of the match, I thought Coda looked like classic Coda, which I thought was, you know, good to see because, like you said, it didn't, it wasn't always the case in his some of his earlier matches. Yeah. But I don't know. I definitely not. I don't have a strong problem with Coda as you do. That's cl- that's yeah. very clearly. I mean, I think he's been. I don't think he's been the like I would put him like probably fourth best in the block or something. But like you know, uh, maybe yeah. Yeah, behind Sh- Shingo. I mean, Shingo and Zach are ahead of him f- for sure. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And then it's like, how much do you like Okan, uh, Ishii? Maybe Kenta. Smith, Kenta. I mean, Kenta can't be that high for me with the bullshit. But oh, okay. you know. Anyway, I don't know, but I, I thought I think Cody's been good. I definitely think he. I thought he was great in this match, but Shingo was it just on a, on another level right now. Yeah, so. Shingo wins. Yeah, Shingo, Shingo really, I thought, carried it, probably. You know, if if Kota Ibushi is past his peak in this company, which I think he kind of is a little bit, Shingo is at the peak right now. Yeah. And he's killing it, so. There you go. All right, so that is our... But I want to be clear, I do not co-sign the idea that Kota Ibushi is, like, washed (laughs) or anything. I think he's still a very good wrestler, but, you know, it, it does kind of feel like maybe he does need a longer a longer trip back to the top or something. Cause yeah, it does feel a little weird. If he's just to come right back and, you know, get right back well, to the, it's like, what else can he do? Yeah. I mean, he has it's that what... Naito problem where it's like, they won, they won the big one already. Yeah. And you know, even Okada kind of, but I mean, Okada, they just keep shoehorning him back to the top anyway. So, well, I think the Okada problem is a little different because Okada's just got put into the main event and has been there for the past nine years. Whereas with, you know, with Naito and with Ibushi, I think Ibushi to a greater extent, like, they've won, like, every title in this company. They've won the New Japan Cup. They've won G1s. You know, they've won, you know, Tokyo Dome main events. It's like, what's new for them? Yeah. I mean, now and, I kind of want to see Naito get his big injury, uh, hmm. you know, return from injury is going to help him a lot, I think. Yeah, uh, I think I think Naito can overcome that because Naito has significantly more charisma than Ibushi does and can get by, like, can use that mm-hmm. to get that emotional investment. Yeah. But I don't know. Bushi does feel a little lost in the shuffle right now. That is for sure. Yeah. Uh, so here's our A block standings after night nine. Uh, Zack Sabre Jr. still alone on top because he's the only one who's four and one for eight points. The other eight point wrestlers all tied for second. They are all four and two. So it's Great Okan, Kenta, and Kota Ibushi. Uh, tied for fifth, Shingo Takagi and Toriano, both three and two. And then <laughs> seventh place, Tomiro Ishii at three and three. And then tied for eighth, Yujiro Takahashi and Tongaloa at two and three. Uh, I will uh, give my top. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I think you've got someone. Uh, Naito is zero and nine. Yes, I yeah. don't read that off every time. Sorry, <laughs> I just I just had to. It's like, like what is the point? But yes, I get it. Uh, the top five matches after night nine because there were uh, there was a new addition here actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fifth place match I still have is Okada. Versus Royce Tanahashi from night two, the only B block match that's in the top five. Uh, that is four and a quarter. Actually, five through two are all four and a quarter, so it's easy to say. Uh, fourth place, Zack Sabre Jr. versus Shingo Takagi. Uh, that is from night three, uh, also four and a quarter. Third place, Kota Ibushi versus Shingo Takagi from this show, October 3rd, uh, night nine. Second place, Zack Sabre Jr. versus Tetsuya Naito, October 18th from night one. And still in first place, uh, very difficult to unseat this one, Shingo Takagi versus Tomiho Ishii from night one on September 18th, which I went four and three quarters on. So definitely has quite the advantage there. Um, 
And after the after tomorrow, we're exactly halfway through. You know, well, we'll both blocks have wrestled, uh, I guess, five matches. Uh, I will give a top ten. So I'll expand it on the Patreon to a top ten matches of the G one. You got to get that uh, Okada Sonata match in there. You know, you can't you can't do a top ten. <laughs> all that. Sitting there, you know. uh, night eleven will be the next time the A blocks in action. That will be Thursday, October seventh from Hiroshima. Uh, the card here the starts with a non tournament match with Ryuhi Oiwa against El Desperado. Then your special oh. singles match for the night, Hiromu Takahashi versus Kenta. That could be great. That's going to own. The two of them are going to do so much stupid bullshit together. They're going like, <laughs> to yeah. make so many great faces together. It's going to be great. Uh, <laughs> match three, your first tournament match of the night, Kota Ibushi versus Tonga Loa, a first ever sing- time ever singles match. Um, I-, I don't really see any reason why Ibushi wouldn't win that. Uh Match four, another first time ever singles match. Zack Sabre Jr. against Yujo Takahashi. Again, Zack should win that pretty easily. Uh, semi-main event, Tor Yano versus Shingo Takagi. Both these guys are at six points. They've only met once, and Shingo got the win. I, I would assume Shingo wins, but, you know, Yano can always be anybody, but just it just would seem weird for Yano well, to get the win. Yeah, I mean, Shingo kind of has to lose three times, right? To not win the block. Yeah, so he's already what he's lost. He's, he's lost, lost twice. He lost twice already. Yeah, so he can win yeah. one more. Yeah. Uh, the so. main event, another first time ever singles match. This one I'm excited for. Toby here Ishii versus Great Okan. Uh, I think Okan's gonna win. I think he's yes. he lost two in a row. I think he's gonna get this big win over Ishii to keep him in the running. And you know the the thing with Okan is he has to really have racked up points going the last night since he's the guy who does, he was supposed to fight Naito on the last night. So. Mm-hmm. You know, the last night he's going to be just in a special singles match. So, you know, he's got to rack the points up before then. Um, you know, this is a pretty weak A card. Obviously, he was originally supposed to have Kenta Naito to help it a little bit. But, uh, you know, even then, I think it was kind of one of the weaker A block cards anyway. Um, yeah. But it's really a one-match show here with Ishii and Okan. And then Hiromu Kenta as a non tournament match is easily the second most anticipated match here. So we'll see what happens. Uh, of course, the next G1 show is actually tomorrow, and just both these shows will be covered on the Patreon, so patreon.com slash wrestlingomakusei. That is a B-block show from Cork and Hall with Okada and Sonata in the main event. Uh, Goto the Jabber against Yoshihashi. Wow. And, <laughs> that's, that's how they book him. That's yeah, zero no. points right there with Chase Owens. He's going uh, zero five. <laughs> Taiji and Cobb and uh, Tanahashi and Chase, even on Tamatanga, so... I don't know. See what Okada and Sinana can deliver, I guess. It's another kind of one-match show. Tomorrow is um, also free on Abema, if you don't have to be subscribed to World. Okay. Oh, it's free on Abema. That's true. I think it is free on World, too. It might be I free on World, they, too. Yeah, yeah, I think any Abema shows, I think, also air free on World as well. So, yeah. yeah, I think Kevin Kelly was talking about that. All right. So, there is your G1. Let's move over now to the N1. Uh, of course, yes. the Noah, the Noah tournament. Um, so the N one, like we've been covering it every night of it, along with the G one. I thought it was a very mixed bag of a tournament, leaning into the final here. I mean, you know, I kind of went over that on the Patreon, but mm. you know, it just it didn't it didn't peak super high for me. You know, my four of my top five matches were just four stars, and then you know after that was like a three and three quarters. So nothing like really got above that four star level, and then. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff that I thought was very middling in the tournament as well. Uh, even some outright bad stuff too. So, you know, mm-hmm. it was kind of a mixed bag of a tournament. I will say the final night, 
at least ended on a, on a pretty strong note. So that was nice. I mean, the finals here, uh, you know, the final match, if we'll get to, was awesome. Yeah. Uh, absolutely outstanding. And the two semifinals were pretty great, too. Uh, the show opened with a six-person tag. Now, I did not see this match because I had to skip something okay. yep. to, get to, to get to be able to watch the rest of the show in time. But this was Akitoshi Saito, Manabu Soya, and Kendo Kashin defeating Masaka Demiya, Kotaro Suzuki, and Daiki Inaba. Uh, Soya pinned Inaba in 10.56. Uh, yep. Any thoughts on this one? I assume you saw it. Yeah, I did see this. Um, this was pretty lazy. I think Inaba and Kitamiya put in some effort, but everyone else kind of just slip, sleepwalk through this. They're making Inaba take falls in matches with Saito and a junior in it, which bums me out. Like, they should be pushing Inaba a bit. Um, there yeah, was like I've a given, nice... I've given, up, I've given up hope on them ever pushing Inaba. Yeah, yeah, I, I know. I, I, I'm dumb and still want <laughs> them to push someone young, but I don't think it's going to happen. There was like a nice Soya-Suzuki exchange... Like when Kitamiya tags in, the match immediately picked up, but he was in the match for maybe two or three minutes total. So very, very average stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, match number two, the first N1 semifinal. Kano defeated Kaito Kiyomiya. Big upset, obviously, in 1535. Mm. Now, yep. because I'm an idiot, I loaded up the cage match card to John. write down the card before I started watching the show and completely forgot that they would just list the final. Even though I'm on the card page without the results, they would just list the final mm. there. So, of course, mm. it would spoil the two semifinals. So, yeah. I'm an idiot. Uh, I should, I've should. I've, I've done that kind of thing a million times with Cage Match and somehow never learned my lesson. So, uh, I just saw Kenobra's Nakajima. I was like, fuck off. How did I just spoil that? <laughs> and it was like an actual huge upset, too. And I completely yeah. spoiled myself. So, yeah. way to go, May. Uh, I just want to shout out to myself for being a fucking idiot. Uh, but yeah, this match, Kaito gets a really fast start. It's a running crossbody. It's a knee attack to the face and a snap German in quick succession. Uh, that sends Kano to the floor. Uh, Kano does recover out there. They brawl a bit. Uh, they head back in the ring before Kaito puts on a leg lock. That goes on for quite a long time, which was a little mm-hmm. strange after the fast start. But Kano does finally make the ropes to break. Uh, Kano starts firing up with kicks, although uh, he, he like so basically Kaito, I guess, worked over the wrong leg. Right. He was working over the left leg and, you know, mm. Kano kicks with the right leg, but he was selling it like he was selling that base leg. Because I guess his base leg with the kick. So he would like kneel down to, to do the kick and he would sell the left leg, but then he would just throw the kick. Uh, we get some high speed exchanges, including some very nice uh, running and diving elbows from Kaito. Kaito hits a basement drop kick. It perfectly sets up a really nice sliding knee to the face. That gets a two count. Uh, he then goes up top for the double stomp, but mm-hmm. Kaito cuts him off. He brings him down and hits a pair of European uppercuts. Uh, Kano fires back with his hard middle kicks, and they exchange back and forth as we get the 10-minute call. Uh, Kaito ends up trying an O'Connor roll, but, but or but uh, Kano cuts back and mm-hmm. pins him instead to this huge stunned reaction from the crowd. Yep. Uh, I'm sure I would have been stunned too if I hadn't sported myself like an idiot. But yeah, this was a really fun match that also sort of felt like it ended just when it was going to another another level. And I guess they had to because they, you know, you know, Kano had to work another match. It can't go super long or anything. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was still great. But I went I went three and three quarters, just below four stars. So you know, pretty great match. 
I thought this was fucking awesome. I really enjoyed this. Um, the, the, the note I have down here is this match for me really highlights the difference between sort of like a, um, what's, what's the phrasing? Like a minor star and a solid up mid, upper mid card worker versus a major star. So I feel like, um, you know, no disrespect to Kano, um, even though he's a bit of a dork. Um, but I feel like Kano is like the perfect star for like the Michinoku pros or the Osaka pros where he came from. And like in this company now, he is like a one, you know, upper mid card sort of um, wrestler who does quite well, but it's like he, he doesn't have that thing that um, can make him be the ace of a company. Right. You still there? Yeah, I'm here. Sorry. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, in, in contrast, um, Kiyomiya. Kiyomita has arrived. Like he has like got this new look has like done wonders for him. He's been excellent throughout this tournament. He's been excellent throughout this particular um sort of the past six or twelve months um of this run. And I feel like that really was like sort of evident through their work. So Kaito, when he was like working the leg here, was like sublime, like so fucking good in terms of like really focusing on that leg and you know, putting all these knee breakers in and leg bars and really focusing on it. Um, but it was like, it wasn't, it was a case where like, it wasn't flashy. It was, he is focusing on his leg to take out Kaido, um, Kano's base leg in that particular spot. Um, and I felt like that was really, really effective and engaging. In contrast, like, I feel like Kano, like, okay, yeah, he sold a bit for that leg, but I felt like there was like, okay, you, need sh- you know, he needs to get his shit in, he needs to get the perfect foot bump in and all sorts of stuff as well. And I felt like that, you know, it, the match didn't suffer, but it just like really illustrated the difference between these two wrestlers um, at this point in their careers. The fact that you um, described it as an upset, like I agree with, and I was like kind of shocked by when they like did the roll up because I watched this live and I was like, oh shit, like what? You're actually doing that particular, you know, ending and actually having it. But I feel like there's now like this match really portrayed like, okay, Kano's at this level. Kaito is now at a higher level than Kano. Um, and that was the way in which that that's really um, demonstrated how these two have grown over the past three or four years, where it's gone from Kano knocking out Kaito and, you know, really dominating him to now like, okay, Kaito's developed as this lead character in this promotion. And now it's like, okay, this is the perfect finish for a match of this quality, a match of this sort of like um stature at this point in their careers. I thought this was like really great stuff. Go out and watch this if you don't if you didn't get a chance to see it. There you go. Uh the other semifinal match was Katsuhiko Nakajima defeating Masakatsu Furnaki in only 838 with the vertical spike. Wow, I didn't realize it was that short. Yeah, uh, this is exactly what you'd expect it to be. Super hard hitting, filled with some really great mat wrestling too. Uh, Funaki at one point is just he just fucking slaps Nakajima in the face as hard as he possibly can before then delivering a PK for a two count. And then Funaki nearly taps Nakajima out with a cross arm breaker, but he's able to scramble the ropes to break. Uh, that leads in this really hard hitting kick exchange. Uh, Nakajima wins with a kick that Funaki sells, you know, like it knocked him out. Mm-hmm. And he's able to just yep. barely kick out of the pin attempt, but Nakajima then just lifts him up, hangs him up there for a long time on the brain buster, and hits it for the pin. Uh, yep. Fantastic finish. He just knocked this man out with one kick, and then put him away with the brain buster, and, you know, I can't remember the last time Funaki jobbed to anybody that cleanly. Um, yeah. This ruled. I, I thought it was very slightly better than the other semifinal. I went four stars flat here. Uh, you know, it was very short again, but, uh, you know, it was. I thought it was awesome. And, you know, just really, really hard hitting. Everything looked great. Uh, they beat the piss out of each other. Just, you know, classic pro wrestling. I really enjoyed this. Yeah. Like, Funaki is, what, 54 or 55? And probably can't work a 20-minute match at this point. So why make him work a 20-minute match? Like, this is eight minutes, get in and out, kick the fuck out of each other. 
Perfect. Like this you, was I just wanna, like the. I um, want to say really quickly, Funaki is fifty-two. So how dare you? Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I hope it doesn't come off to me. I was like, I I would have guessed fifty probably. So I would have hmm. I would have undershot it. You would have overshot it. But this is the price is right. I would have won because. <laughs> well, he's been he's been working since like nineteen eighty-five, which yeah. is ridiculous. Um, yeah, I felt like, like I love that um, the Fujita. Uh, Funaki match from the the last block night as well, but I was like, yeah, this this was even better than that, and I really love the you know sudden ending. Get on with it, you know, fuck yeah. Uh, then we had Atsutoshi Kotogi to, losing to Ada in nine forty nine. So this this match, you know, was to set up the junior tag title challenge with him and Osawa against mm-hmm. Kotogi and Ohara that's coming up. It bored me for a bit, especially during Ada's heat period where. Not much in- interesting was going on, but I love Kotoge's comeback. He got to show really great fire, hitting these repeated hard lariats in the corner. That was great stuff. Uh, but Ada ended up pinning him with his uh, vertebraker thing. And I forget yep. what he And, you know, uh, that was pretty good. Not much more than that. I went three and a quarter. You know, nothing you got to run out to watch, but I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, I thought this was like, okay. Um, Kotoge rules, and like he is the perfect person to put a new character in with. Because he has that fire and that sort of underdog babyface sort of vibe, um, I felt like this was like Ata very much working a character. I'm not very familiar with Ata from Dragon Gate, like that's the one big promotion I don't really watch, so I don't know if this is similar to the matches he has over there. Yeah, but, he's, um, been, he's been like a scumbag heel forever there, I think. Okay, okay. I, I'm very like I have not watched Dragon Gate regularly since like 2018 or something, so I, you know, I'm, I don't know what's happened the past three years, but definitely when I still watch Dragon Gate all the time, he was like Mister Scumbag Heel. Okay. So yeah, he was Mr. Scumbag Heel here too. That was good. <laughs> and then he cut a uh, promo afterwards, which you'll go into. Yeah. Which... Actually, I didn't write it down. I don't really, I don't know what he said. Oh, he basically just put <laughs> Kotoge down for a solid five to seven minutes. And I was like, okay. come on, get on with it. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I mean, very, again, very similar to his Dragon Gate stuff. So, yeah. I mean, this was it's definitely not him playing any kind of nude character. That is for sure. Yep. Uh, match number five was Hayata uh, and, and Yoshinari Ogawa versus Daisuke Harada and Junta Miyawaki. It went to a double fall in 806. I didn't dislike this. You really hated this that much? Uh, I'll get I'll, I'll, Okay. I'll, I'll, just, I'll get to it. So it was yeah. to build up a GHC junior title match on October 10th uh, between with Harada challenging Hayata. Um, I thought there was some really good action this match. The finish, though, was weird as fuck. So Harada sort of did like this weird roll through into a German suplex bridge, but mm. without the actual German suplex. It looked really weird, but yep. maybe not bad. I don't know. It looked kind of, it looked, it was kind of neat in a very unique way, but I'm like, why not just do a German suplex? I don't, anyway, but somehow he has his own shoulders down as well. So the referee mm-hmm. counts a double fall, making it a draw. Uh, I went three and a quarter. I thought it was pretty fun, but a very strange finish. Uh, <laughs> do you have any thoughts on it? I get to so the, I've been watching one? a lot. I've been watching a lot of Ogawa over the past two or three months. Um, we've been in lockdown. You know, I've been watching the old, you know, t- early two thousands um, Noah. Ogawa, Ogawa fucking rules, and he still rules. So yeah. in this match, I think he had like maybe ninety seconds of ring time. Yeah, he didn't get any time in this match. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not a Hayata guy either. Usually, I thought he was so, fine here, but I'm not usually a Hayata guy. So the contrast is: you team up Ogawa, who rules and has ruled for thirty years. And you team me up with the worst major league wrestler in the world, in Hayata, yeah. and I'm just like, oh, what, what are we doing? Like, Hayata is sloppy and boring, which is a bad combination for a wrestler. Um, so yeah, I just, I just like, c- 
couldn't really get into it. I felt the ending, like you're, you're right, it was it was creative, but it was also kind of lame and kind of like you re- look really silly. And stop, you know, they've been doing draws on the build up to the junior title match. They did a thirty minute draw in uh, was it Yokohama? I think maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, no more, no more fucking double pins. Stop it. Double everyone's doing, everyone's doing them now. Stop <laughs> doing it, please. Wow. I beg. Uh. After the match, Harada says he can't accept that decision, so he wants Hayata in a singles match right now. Again, mm-hmm. I knew that happened based on the cage match card. I didn't know how it happened, but I knew they did go to a singles match. Uh, apparently, it's non-title. Anyway, yep. so Harada and Hayata elbow each other right off the bat. Hayata walks out. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what the yes. point of that was. Yeah. So it went zero minutes and 59 seconds, and the ex- the actual Noah site says the match result was, quote, Hayata match abandoned. So yep. obviously that's some English, but like it wasn't a count out or anything. The ref, I just walked away and the ref was like, well, yeah. I guess you lose. And it was very strange. Uh, yeah. I'm not even going to bother giving that a rating. It was very, very weird. A little bit of crack booking here from Nosawa. I got to, he, he always does one or two really weird things. And uh, that was definitely the one here. Yeah. It's, uh, it's like Nosawa. It's like sometimes he hits, sometimes he misses. This was, what are you doing? What? Come on, stop it. And Harada does go after him afterward, but uh, there you go. So the semi-main event was a six-man tag team match. Takashi Sugera, Kazuchi Sakuraba, and Kazuyuki Fujita defeating the M's Alliance, uh, Keiji Muto, Masato Tanaka, and Masaki Mochizuki. Sugera pins Mochizuki in 18-17 with the Olympic Slam. Um, I thought there was a little slow-paced at first. Uh, given these six guys in there and their combined age of approximately 10,000. Not, <laughs> yes. not that much of a surprise, I guess, with a little slow pace. But some hard-hanging strikes, too. Um, and the match ends with the three of them, you know, triple-teaming Mochizuki, and leading to that leads to Sugera putting him away at the end of a surprisingly long match, I wrote, uh, mm-hmm. with the Olympic Slam. Uh, this was good. Also kind of drags me a little at times. It, but more less because anything they were doing more and like i want to get to the n1 finals and mm-hmm. uh my pal liam is waiting to record with me kind of <laughs> like why is this going on for so long uh but yeah i went three and a half you know i would have cut a few minutes for sure but i, th- I still thought it was good i don't know mm-hmm. so the old fuck pro offer match um <laughs> Congrats to Masato Tanaka for being the youngest person in this match at a sprightly he, 48 years old. He's the youngest person? Oh my god. Yeah. I, I yeah, don't know ev- why I wouldn't... That's, that is shocking. Yeah. So like, everyone, do you have everybody else's age in front of you? I do. I do. All right, let's go through it. 48 right. from... Who, who's second? Who's second Who youngest? second? I'm going to guess Sakuraba's second youngest. Uh, no. You okay. Don't, don't tell me. Don't tell me then. Uh, Mochizuki. I'm just getting up their birth dates. Just give me one second. Mochizuki uh, is 51. So he's he second is, youngest? Uh, give me one second. Oh, okay. I, just, I, need, <laughs> to get, I need to get a tiebreaker here. I wanted to get... Uh, no, no. Mochizuki is not second youngest. Uh, Sugera? Yeah, Sugera is okay. 51. So obviously then Mochizuki is third. So he's 50, yep. also 51. And then we got three guys left. Okay. I'm going to say Sakuraba has to be next. Yep. 52. Okay. Then Fujita. Sorry, I am wrong, actually. I can't read. Fujita is actually the second youngest person in this match. He's only 50. What? Yeah. He looks like he's 70. I know. I know. <laughs> okay. So Tanaka's right. youngest of 48. Fujita yep. is somehow second youngest of 50. Yep. Then Mochizuki. Yep. Then Sugera. Then yep. Sakuraba 52. 
Yep. Because Mochizuki and Sugi are both 51. And then Keiji Muto is what, like 56? 58. Okay. I, I, yeah. I really undershot it there. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Disgusting. So Keiji Muto is six years older than the second young, oldest person in this match. That is correct. <laughs> in this very old fuck match. Yep. Wow. There you go. So I'm sure we confuse the listeners. Let's just do it one more time. Okay. Muto is 58, oldest wrestler. Second correct. oldest is uh, Sakuraba. Sakuraba, 52. Then Sugera and Mochizuki are both 51, but Mochizuki's older. That's correct. And then Fujita's 50 somehow. Yep. And then Tanaka is the youngest at 48. Yes. <laughs> correct. How is Kajuyuki Fujita the second youngest person in a six man tag? <laughs> that to me is even more shocking than yeah, Tanaka the youngest. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. Anyway, what a man. Happy birthday thing. to Fujita for next week. He turns 51 <laughs> oh, next week. So, uh, you, you know. Go. Sprightly old chicken. I thought this was pretty good. Yeah, it was like an old fuck match. You knew what you're getting in. You know, you could watch these six. You go, okay, these two are going to pair up and this is what you're going to get. And, um, you know, Nuno and Vegeta threw the, each other the fuck around. That was fun. Then there was a, a Mochizuki Sakuraba kick fight. That was fun. And then, you know, Sugira and Tanaka threw each other around. That was fun. It's good stuff. But, you know, at that, at that point in the show, it's like, okay, get through this. Let's get to the main event. Exactly. Come on, come on, come on. And the main event was Katsuhiko yes! Nakajima defeating Kano in exactly 20 minutes, apparently, with mm-hmm. the Diamond Bomb to win the N1 victory. So Marafuji comes out, the GHC Heavyweight Champion. Uh, he comes out before the final, just says he's looking forward to defending his title against the winner. This lazy fuck who didn't compete in this tournament. <sighs> God bless him. Uh, so Nakajima, he beats Kano all over ringside to start. He just like sends him in the railing a bunch of times. Uh, back in the ring, they take turns with some incredibly hard soccer ball kicks. And then Nakajima at one point rakes Kano's eyes, I guess, to show early on he's not going to be any nicer to him, you know, just because they're both in Congo. Mm-hmm. Nakajima's they, kicks. Oh, sorry, go ahead. And they both kept out in Congo shirts. That's true. They did. Yeah. Uh, Nakajima's kicks sound like shotgun blasts, like they always yeah. do. And Kano has strong kicks too, but just the sound of Nakajima's during yeah. Nakajima's kicks during these exchanges just sound like he's absolutely killing Kano. Uh, both guys dump each other on their heads with German suplexes at one point. They both no-sell. Then they both exchange high kicks at exactly the same time to very audible gasps from the crowd, and they both go down. Perfectly timed there. Great little sequence. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kano ends up walking, or running actually, right into a thrust kick from Nakajima when he stands back up. A great thrust kick. And then Nakajima hits a whole bunch more of these soccer... Uh, soccer ball kicks that sh- sound like shotgun blasts for a two count. He then hits his bra- big brain buster, but Kano just barely manages to kick out. Uh, Kano then avoids a punk kick from Nakajima. He avoids a second running kick. He grabs Nakajima by his ankle straight down to an ankle lock. And then he like just holds him by the ankle, holds him upside down oh. and hits this really hard kick. This yep. sounded like a shotgun blast too, to what looked like Nakajima's neck. Or like his upper, upper chest. That looked so painful. And then he went up top, hit his double stomp, but Nakajima kicked out. Uh, Kano locks on his sleeper. Nakajima is able to flip his way out of it. He then catches Kano charging in the corner. He sets him up across the top turnbuckle. Hits a very hard knee attack to the body just before the 15-minute call. And then hits a running punt kick to the stomach as well while he's on the mat. Covers for another two count. Uh, he tries to go for the brain buster again, but Kano just reverses right into his own suplex. Uh, that leaves both guys down. 
They take turns hitting very hard middle kicks to each other once again. They go really fast at one point during that exchange. Kano mm-hmm. seemingly wins that exchange. Nakajima like staggers in the ropes. Then they go, they start going at it again, and they start trading extremely hard slaps again. Kano knocks Nakajima down with his second one. Uh, the referee is checking on him. Uh, there's a super hard slap. It really just really the, the one that you knocked him down with. I mean, was a super mm-hmm. hard slap. It fucking owned. Uh, Nakajima stands up. And Kano kind of tells him, this ends up being Kano's downfall. He kind of tells him, you know, you think you can slap me back? Go ahead and try. And, you know, <laughs> he starts hitting his own slaps to the face of Kano. And Kano at first is totally no sign them and shrugging them off. But then as it goes on, Nakajima finally starts having an effect, staggers him, and then he just fucking uh, drops him, hits the fucking uh, the diamond bomb, which is sort of like a, almost like a vertical spike po- brain buster into the power bomb, I guess. And mm. that gets. Oh, wait, did I describe it's, it? Wrong? It's like it's like the Death Valley driver into the Brain Buster. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, so this is almost like Kano's own arrogance cost in the match, mm-hmm. uh, where he had Nakajima right where he wanted him, but then he sort of let Nakajima start slapping him at the end there, like in a "Come on, what have you got?" sort of way, and just you know his own arrogance kind of bit, bit him in the ass there, which I liked. Uh, they do hug each other at the end though, so I guess there's no problems in Congo. Congo is fine, everybody. Congo uh, is but fine. yeah, this match absolutely fucking owned. These two fucking killed each other there. This is easily the best match of this tournament by a wide margin. It was better than all but one G1 match so far. Obviously, Ishii mm-hmm. Shingo. Uh, I went four and a half here. Uh, it may crack the bo- very bottom of my match of the year list. I have to go through and compare it, I guess. But this is really outstanding stuff. Just these two guys absolutely beating the shit out of each other, and it absolutely owned. So, what else can I add to that? Jeez, you really summed it up really well there. I think a couple of things. So, the first thing that I noticed is, um, you know, on the show as a whole, um, Noah really upped their production standards and production values to this particular show. This show looked amazing. Um, they've got this new 4K camera that they're using to get these like really nice in focus shots of people coming out. And the first thing I noticed coming out as uh, Nakajima came out. He has like, you know, he comes out from the Funaki match and he's got this massive fucking bruise all down his neck. And it looked so, so gross. Like with how badly he got beat up in that earlier semifinal match. You know, Kaito, no, sorry, Kaito. Kano and, you know, Nakajima both work matches before this, work matches before this match on this show. So they come in a little bit tired, but it's like they fucking brought it. Holy hell. Um, yeah, like they, they kicked, the, you know, there's one line that I think Stuart Fulton had on the English commentary where it's like, there are more kicks than a sneaker factory. And I was like, yeah, fuck yeah, get in, get in. Um, they just beat the fuck image up for 20 minutes and they can't really do this with anyone else in this company. Even though Noah is a hard hitting, stiff, strong style company. Like these two are the only two who can do this really strike heavy, you know, laying it the fucking shotgun blast to the chest, shotgun blast to the back thing for this length of period at this level of intensity um yeah i love this and um this kind of cemented one of my thoughts that i've been having over the past 18 months or so which is like katsuhika nakajima is the best wrestler in the world he's got he's got the charisma down now he's got the match quality he's got the you know the intensity he's got the you know character like he is like every time i see him on my screen i instantly transfix i want to see everything he does and he like his mere presence in a match automatically elevates it massively so fucking so happy to see him get go back to back um happy i'm gonna be oh, yeah i forgot he won last year wow yeah yeah <laughs> yeah back back to knack 
So, so um, now he's the Kota Ibushi of Pro Wrestling Network. Wow! Wow! Trigger Liam. Don't you dare insult my boy like that. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. This this was so fucking awesome. I love it. It's so funny, by the way. I have I realize I have the number one Western Ibushi hater this week, and then I have the number one Western Ibushi fan, uh, Haley, returning to the show next week. <laughs> real, real like duality of man. From the the person who hates Ibushi, the person who loves Ibushi more than anyone on Earth. So, so who I, is I, Angel? You know, I am uh, I am Ibushi. I am Switzerland, I guess. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, like, I actually like Kota Ibushi, but yeah, yeah, you know, not like Naito, obviously. It's like Kota Ibushi for me is when you know that meme when it says like I want Katsuki Nakajima, and then you know the mother says uh, we've got Katsuki Nakajima at home. Yeah. Well, see, then it was a great it was a great comparison then. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Nakajima fucking he's on such a run right now. I, he should win. He sh- absolutely should win the title match. Um and let's kick off this heel run at the Budokan. Uh yeah, so all, overall, you know, great hard to call it anything less than a great show. All the N1 matches delivered. So, you know, definitely should go out and watch it. You can really skip everything else, I guess, other than the two semis in the final, you know, mm. if you're especially if you're short on time. I mean, there's nothing bad on the show. But if you really want to skip the other stuff, it's not really necessary to watch. Uh, my final top five matches of the N1. Uh, five through two, all four stars flat. Uh, fifth place, I went with Nakajima and Funaki from this show in the semifinals on October 3rd. Uh, fourth place, I had Kaito versus Manabu Soya. Uh, that was for the A block on night two on September 18th. Third place, Kano versus Misaki Mochizuki. B block night five, some, some, uh, September 26th. And then second place, Masato Tanaka versus Katsuhiko Nakajima. C block night one, September 12th. And of course, first place, uh, the match we just talked about, Nakajima versus Kano <laughs> in the finals from today's show, October 3rd. So four and a half stars, very easily the match of the tournament. So yeah, you know, what had been a, I definitely liked last year's N1 better overall, but the, the finals here were great. So yeah. the finals kind of, I don't want to say it saved the tournament. I mean, it's a short tournament anyway. It's only six nights. So it's not like, you know, it was some struggle to get through. Yeah. But, uh, but you know, it definitely wasn't, it's not going to go down my list of favorite, you know, Japanese wrestling tournaments or anything, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't bad either, you know, and definitely peaked at the end, which is, I guess what you want. So. Yeah, it was a very easy watch of a tournament. You know, yeah. it was like an hour each day for six days or something like that. It was, so. it was not the 2020 Champion Carnival. So. <laughs> wow. And, uh, yeah. Uh, um, who do you think, what do you think is the Budokan match on January 1st? I don't know. They they already said when they're doing Marifuji Nakajima. That's next week. Uh, oh, next week? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, they're at, uh, um, they're at, they're at Edion Arena in Osaka uh, yeah, next yeah. week. Okay. Uh, maybe Nakajima Kaito? So I think that could be one possibility. I think there's also someone who wasn't in this tournament who is due for a shot. Who? Someone who hasn't been in Noah for quite a bit, for like six months. Uh, okay, I'm, I, I don't know who you're talking you're about. You're blanking? I'm blanking. I'm talking, I'm, you know, I'm talking about it's time for Go to come back. Oh, I totally forgot about Goji. Well, forgetting about Go... Oh, disgusting. <laughs> so Go versus Nakajima. Yeah, that could be it. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. All right, so we can wrap things up here. I thought this show would go an hour and said we went an hour and 40, so... Sorry. Uh, I mean, that's, no, that's not your fault. <laughs> we went like 20 minutes on just sports teams I like and how... Mm-hmm. And stuff like that. I mean, we did lots of stupid shit. But hopefully the people enjoy it. That's what everybody... 
everybody loves stupid shit. If I've learned anything from my many years on this earth so far, it is that people love stupid shit. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, Liam, uh, anything you want to plug for the people? Oh, uh, not really. You can find me on Twitter at Liam underscore D underscore McKen if you want to learn about like digital law and pure firsting and why NFTs are bad and all sorts of dumb shit. NFTs are definitely bad. Oh, they suck. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, I want to thank everybody, of course, for listening. Uh, check out the Patreon for the ongoing G1 coverage, including tomorrow, uh, Monday, October 4th, uh, B-Block show. All throughout the week, we have more Patreon coverage. Next week, exclusively to the Patreon, uh, I will be joined by Haley, a returning guest who always have a good time with Haley when she's on. And she and I will be talking G1 Night 13 uh, from next Sunday, or next Saturday, I think it's actually. Yeah, Saturday the 9th. Uh, plus, Tokyo Joshi Wrestle Princess 2. So those are the two shows we'll be covering exclusively on the Patreon, uh, myself and Haley. Uh, on the free feed, the schedule gets a little weird after that because the G1 schedule is so weird uh, at the end here on these weekday shows. So it's a Patreon exclusive episode this coming Sunday, October 10th. Then a free episode, October 14th, on a Thursday. And that'll cover G1's nights 15 and 16, Wednesday the 13th and Thursday the 14th. And then the following Thursday, October 21st, will be the final two nights of the G1 uh, with uh, voice wrestling Sean Cedor coming on to talk about that with me. And that'll be exclusive to the Patreon as well. So if you want to hear me talk about the finals of the G1 and wrap everything up in the G1, you have to subscribe. So it is patreon.com slash wrestlingomakase. It's only $5. If you like the free episodes, if you've listened all the way to the end of the free episode, honestly, <laughs> I don't know why you wouldn't enjoy the Patreon, because clearly you can handle me more than many other people. Uh, so yes, definitely take out the page, check out the Patreon at patreon.com slash wrestling omakase. Uh, you can always follow us on Twitter at wrestle omakase. Uh, wrestling, of course, would not fit. And folks, thank you as always for listening, and I will see you next time. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.